Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler podcast. My name is Elliot. I am really, really excited to bring you this content today. This is a little bit of an unusual podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast or if you have listened to it, you know I have had Bobby Hayes on here. Four different episodes have been Bobby Hayes episodes and I've gotten to know Bobby. And one thing that I've been wanting to do the last couple of years is improve my duck calling. And so I had an idea sometime last year to contact Bobby, go over to his shop, sit down with him and record a video of him helping me improve my duck calling, taking my duck calling to the next level. And that's what I did a couple weeks ago. I went out there, hung out with Bobby four or five hours. We just sat and talked for a long time. And then we recorded a video. If you follow my YouTube channel, Freelance Duck Hunting, I've already released that video. It is a 23 minute video of Bobby and I sitting down and him just helping me with my calling. But I actually had the audio rolling. Um, well, number one, we had a lot more content that I cut out of the editor uh, out of the video on YouTube. You really, I don't want my videos to be much more than 20, 25 minutes. That's kind of the sweet spot between 15 and 25. So Bobby and I recorded for a long time. And what made the final cut for the video was only about 23 minutes, but I had a full hour of, of footage. So after listening to it, I'm like, this would just be great podcast form. So if you've seen that video on my YouTube channel, this is partly the same stuff, but two thirds of this you will not have heard or seen. In fact, some of the best stuff where we stopped filming and actually I just kept recording because I wanted to be able to go back and hear some of the stuff that Bobby was telling me off air. We worked more with my calling 
And that's going to be here. This is some of, in my opinion, some of the rawest, most in-depth calling information that I've ever heard. Where he's just sitting there and off the cuff talking to me about my calling, going through it. It's it's just fantastic stuff. So I'm going to bring that in its entirety to you today. Bobby's been making calls for a long time. And if you want to pick up a call, his calls are fantastic. He put has put so much time and effort and pride into these calls, and they are just phenomenal duck calls. And if you want to pick one up, you can go to ducklandercalls.com, and you can put in the promo code NAW23 is going to get you 10% off your call. So listen to this thing through. Listen to Bobby Calls. If you like the sound, specifically listen to Bobby calling over me because he's a thousand times better than I am. And we're both using DLC calls, but he's, he's a thousand times better than me. If you like how his calls sound, go on over there, ducklendercalls.com NAW for NAW 23, North American Waterfowler 23, NAW 23 for 10% off. So go check that out. And also before we get this started, I want to talk about another sponsor that we brought on and that is on X guys. I am telling you, I used to try to do what Onyx does before there was Onyx. I used Google imagery, Google Maps. I would actually print out maps and laminate them. And when I went on trips and I, and I would try to go in through the dark, navigate using compass readings, I kind of missed those days because I gave myself a huge advantage by what I was doing because now everyone has Onyx. And everyone is able to do kind of the things I was doing before on X, but on steroids. If you don't have on X and you're a waterfowl hunter, you are absolutely missing out. I am telling you on X hunt, download the app and get that today. I'm telling you. So anyway, um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into this. And I will give talk to you a little bit at the very back end before we close it out. So here it is, my time with Bobby Hayes of Ducklander Calls. I'm here with Bobby Hayes of Ducklander Calls, and he's going to help me with my calling today. How are you doing, Bobby? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit just about yourself and, and your call history? So my name is Bobby Hayes. I own the Ducklander Call Company, and I am coming up on 20 years of call making. So we make acrylic, we make molded, make wood, make about everything. Right. And there will be um, links in the description if you want to check out all of Bobby's products. So just to give you guys a little bit of history of how I ended up here, Bobby lives in my area. We're about an hour apart. And I became aware of him from some video series that he put out in 2013, 14? Oh, it's at least 10 years ago. It's been a long time Yeah, ago. I'd have to look on YouTube for sure. But yeah, right. they're pretty old. And Bobby was actually the first series of public land waterfowl hunting that I had ever seen. And so I fell in love with those videos and actually didn't buy a call of his until about 10 years later, which I've been running now. Um, so that's how I, I got, became aware of him. And um, so I'm going to go through a little bit of my calling history with you. And Bobby's job is basically to listen to me calling both on video and in person. And he's just going to help me take my calling to the next level, which is something I've known I needed to do for quite a while. So when I grew up waterfowl hunting, it was just my dad and me, the, the two of us. And there was no YouTube, but didn't even watch hunting videos. 
So the only, I mean, I heard other people in the marsh, but, and I'm curious your opinion of this, that um, I've heard that Kansas, as in general, Kansas duck callers are not some of the best group as far as like you go to Arkansas. The further south you go, the better they get on calls. Right. Yes. But I will say this. So as long as I've been making calls, callers are better now Mm -hmm. than when I first started. Makes sense. Much better. Right. And I think some of the reason of that is you've got social media. That's a big reason. You're hearing people. So all of my waterfowl hunting was in public marshes, not that close to other people. In public marshes, not that close to other people. And so it was just my dad and I. So I really didn't have any way of realizing that my calling maybe wasn't as good as it should be. Right. So, so I grew up, my uncles all hunted. And uh, they were World War II guys for the most part, some Korean. And they blew folk stuck calls. Mm-hmm. So I had a little... They gave me a little, I don't know what, I think it was a 45, a little record. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know who made it. Mm-hmm. But I used to put it on my uncle's record player. Right. And that was my first. Because they, yeah. could, they could call ducks. They were, they were good hunters. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't make good notes on a duck call. They just had really good timing. Right. Yeah. But that was my first instructional was a little 45 RPM. Yeah. I like to think I have good timing. Um, I hope I do. Right. Um, I know I watched a video of yours where you were actually showing calling on the corners Mm -hmm. and it fit with what I was doing. So that made me feel a little bit better about it. But essentially all of my duck calling was in isolation. So I didn't have any standard to set it against. So the first time I heard somebody that could really blow a call, I was probably 18 Mm -hmm. and there was a guy up in North Kansas City named Mike Keller. Mm-hmm. And he was a comp caller. So that was the first time I seen an acrylic duck call or I heard anybody that could really make notes on a call. So I used to go up to Mike's house all the time for calling instruction. Right. So that's that's my first experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to go find somebody. Right. There was no I mean there was some instructionals, like I think Buck made an instructional and some other guys made an instructional, but to get really feedback immediately you had to go find somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not like not like it is today. No. It's just way it's way easier. And so I, did, I just didn't have any idea that my calling really was subpar at all until I started making a YouTube channel. The YouTube duck hunting scene blew up. I started hearing. I had friends come in that were really good callers. And it became, and I was getting comments, which right. is never fun yep. to get negative comments yeah. about your calling. You don't have any experience about with that. I know you don't. <laughs> it's, it's a bad thing. So I realized, hey, I need to step up my calling. Right. And I started really putting out effort to do this a couple of years ago. In fact, I put a couple of, of my call sounds on, I think, your Facebook group. Yep. Which, by the way, you can do this. You can go and record yourself calling. Where, where is that? It's just the Ducklander calling page. Right. And yeah. Bobby and others there will kind of critique it for you. Now, it is kind of a vulnerable situation. Yep. I don't know why duck calling is such a vulnerable thing. Well, so whenever somebody's trying to learn, I'm back up a second. So when, when I was younger, instructional was kind of this is the sound you make, and this is a little bit of a way to get to the sound. Mm-hmm. But like now, when I put up an instructional, or a lot of other guys put up instructional, it's very technical. Right. What to do with your tongue, what to do with your mouth, mm-hmm. how to get air. Like, it's very technical. So it's a lot easier to figure it out. Um, and you can hear, you can find 10 different people telling you how to do the same note, mm-hmm. and something will click, right? Right. But... Most people that start to call, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's an ego thing, but everybody sucks on a duck call when they I think start. it is because we, as waterfowlers, yeah. you want to be seen as competent. Yes. And calling is a big part of that. Calling and it exposes, a... well, maybe I'm not. 
especially for guys like um, really hardcore waterfowlers, yep. it becomes a whole part of your identity. It does. Right? And so that part of, like, people are going to judge you they based will. on how you call. And it's not something you can hide while you're doing it. Right. So what most guys will do is they will go to the store and they will pick out a quiet call. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it has two reads, sometimes it has one, but they'll pick out something quiet and it's the absolute hardest thing there is to learn to call on. Hmm. So the, the quieter the call gets, the harder it is to use. Right. Yeah. So it actually does the opposite, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's, it's just, it's, you're timid and like you, you can watch if you give a, give a call to a kid that's never done it, they're going to giggle for the first 10 minutes while you're showing <laughs> them because it's embarrassing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure. The embarrassment you feel when you're a new caller trying to do the same thing as a kid that just laughs at the sound. Right, for sure. Yeah, because it is. It's awkward. It is. And so I had been hunting 25 plus years before I was like, okay, I know I need to tackle this. I need to get better. So I started in office season, putting in a lot more effort. And when I watched your video about you would do this with about the tongue hitting mm-hmm. the top of the mouth, the instructional cassette that I learned on never talked about the tongue. So, so when I teach somebody how to run a call, we got to figure out how to get air to the call pressure. Mm-hmm. And then we just got to figure out what's going on inside of our mouth. So right. I try to do it technically to start with, instead of say words, mm-hmm. words come after you figure out how to do everything. Right. Yeah. Cause then you can manipulate the sound a little more with words, but I start with no words and just what's actually going on inside your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you really, when you're teaching somebody, you're just getting them to get the feeling of doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the feedback your ears will get, you know, when you did something right. And then they build the feelings up. Right. And they can start to get better on it. Right. Yeah. So you're actually, when you're learning to call, you're actually going off the way everything feels versus the way it sounds. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Because, like, I could, I could, I, I do this so much. Like, I could tell you when you first start, you're going to be thin. Mm-hmm. So the note's going to be higher pitched than it should. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to figure out how to stop the note to make a duck, how mm-hmm. to cut the note off. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be thin. And then as you blow the call more, it'll get thicker, fuller sounding and fuller sounding because you start to feel what pressure is and you start right. to feel what your tongue is doing. Right. But yeah, so everybody's going to go through the same stages mm-hmm. as they learn. Yeah. It's just part of it. After about, I'd say, a year and a half of trying to make improvements with my calling, I felt like that I had improved, but listening back to it, it's still, I can tell there's something missing and I'm to the point where I don't know what that is or even how to, how to even move forward. The, the biggest things that, that you've got to get to click in your head is air pressure and the amount of air that comes out of you, two different things. Right. So air pressure makes the call sound full or mm-hmm. raspy. Mm-hmm. And then the amount of air that comes out of you is how loud it is. Right. So air pressure always stays the same the amount of air that comes out changes. Okay. So that's, that's, that's whenever the old videos used to say, call from your gut. Mm-hmm. It, what it's make pressure, right? That's fogging glass. Cause that's straight lung air. Right. Yeah. So pressure is different than the amount of air that comes out. That makes sense. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you blow the call super loud or you blow the call super quiet, you're still putting the same pressure on the read. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's most people struggle figuring that out. And what's really trippy is after you figure that out, a goose call, a duck call, a spec call, all pretty much blow the same way. Okay. It's the same pressure. It's almost the same. Right. Yeah, almost everything's the same. So last year, my goal was to contact Bobby and come out here and go through this process. But honestly, I didn't – we knew each other because you'd been on the Duck Gun podcast. Yeah. We didn't really know each other that well. And my ego, I think, just didn't allow me. It seemed overwhelming to come out here and 
blow a call in front of a professional and be vulnerable to do that. But Bobby's been on the podcast, the North American Waterfowl podcast, like four times. So make sure and check out that podcast. He also has his own podcast, Ducklander Calls podcast. So Bobby came on the podcast about four times and, and these episodes are fantastic. We've had lots of good feedback about these episodes, but I got to know him well enough that I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can go over there and do it. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I'm going to show Bobby some clips of my calling from last year. And I, now one problem I have too, is like when I re-listen to my calling on video, you have no idea how the cameras are picking it up. Right. There's times on like a GoPro where I hear the, I said, that sounds pretty good. And there's times where if I have a camera up here, it sounds like trash right. to me. But anyway, I'm going to have him watch a couple clips. I'm going to show them to you guys. I actually had problems finding a lot of footage of myself last year without someone else calling in the back. So it's not very much. I'm going to have him um, watch this footage. Then he's going to kind of give his thoughts on it. And then I'm going to actually blow the call here live. And he's just going to work with me and see what kind of improvements that we can make. Is there anything else that you think that you want to share with people just about calling in general before we do that? Well, I would say in general, when we're talking about calling, the timing of, of your calling and what you're saying is more important as far as killing a duck mm -hmm. as exactly how good you're saying it. Right. So I always try to think of calling to a duck or a goose as a conversation with a person. So loud isn't really a problem. Mm -hmm. It's it's how the loud is created. Okay. So if if you just think like you can think about it this way, if you and I were just sitting here having a conversation and we weren't talking, and we started talking, and I just started yelling, that would be odd. But if I said something and then you didn't hear it, I would say it a little louder. Mm -hmm. And then if you didn't hear that, I would say it a little louder. Mm -hmm. So you, so it's 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 more of how the conversation goes than what you're saying in particular. I, and when you're saying it. I hadn't planned this, but I just thought about it. How much does the duck's body language play into what you do after your initial call? Quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I like to lose all of the terms like hell call and mm -hmm. comeback call and all that because it's really confusing to people. Because mm -hmm. like I'll get messages like, when do I blow this? When do I blow that? So. Right. I just think about it like a conversation with a person. Mm -hmm. So whatever you do to a duck when you first see it has become your hail call. Okay. That could just be two or three hens. That could be a long string of hens. That could be a so really the first loud time feet. they hear you. Yeah, the first time. It, whatever you did, you were hailing them, just like you were hailing your buddy across the parking lot at right. a waterfowl show. So I like to try to do it as loud as I think they can hear it. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to actually hear it overly loud most of the time. I want to blow them just enough they can hear it. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't get their attention, I will increase. Gotcha. I just don't start off yelling because mm -hmm. that would be just odd. Yeah. Um, and then you're, you're really just watching to see if you've got a good reaction. If you've got a good reaction, there's two reasons you got the reaction. They like the sound of the note mm -hmm. or they liked the spot you did it in over their field. Mm -hmm. So... If you would take the pond or the marsh, whatever you're hunting in, and just imagine there's a big box above it, mm -hmm. that's your field to play in with a call. So you, there's spots that they're going to see you more if you make sound, and there's spots they're going to see you less. But there's also spots where there's a point of no return because right. they're going to be out of calling range because you only have so much volume. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to keep them in the box. The more time they can play in the box the closer they get to the ground. Right. 
Yeah, so you're trying to just see what their reaction is in the box. Mm -hmm. That's really all you're doing. That's why you don't have to make the best notes in the world. You just have to know how loud to make them and when to make them. Right. Yeah. So timing is ultimately way more important. It's than way more quality, important. but yes. together. Now that's know. the thing. Like so, a good caller can take a mediocre day and make it better. Right. And a really good caller can take a mediocre day and make it really good. And, and a poor caller can ruin every day. Right. Yeah. So even birds that you're on the X, they want to be there. You can just. You can mess that up. Mess that up. So like my general rule of thumb, I'm an aggressive caller, but. The correct amount of calling is the least amount of calling. Right. That's, yeah, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever the least amount of calling is for the day is the correct amount. That makes sense. All right, let's go ahead and let Bobby listen to this clip and ha hear what he thinks about it. All right, let me grab the computer here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now... Bobby doesn't do a lot of public land hunting anymore, but he used to. So I'm also curious whether he knows where I'm hunting in these spots. In these we'll places. see. One of them you should definitely. There's be. not many places in the state. I think of both Kansas. of them you'll get. There's not many places in the state of Kansas or Missouri I haven't drove. I think you're going to get both of these, but you're not going to hear it off air. You just tell me whether you think you know. Right. Them. All right, you ready? Yep. Let's see what the volume's at. That should be good. <laughs> Not bad. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> Your technique's good. Like, you've got good mechanics. Okay, so Bobby's had a chance to look at it, and maybe, hopefully, it's not going to be quite as bad as I thought. Not so just all. from the clips, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, almost everyone thinks it's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So almost everybody thinks it's going to be terrible when, if they're going to somebody for help. Um, so it's not. Because all you're really looking for is you have mechanics. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I listen to that, what I want to know is, are you cutting the note off? Mm -hmm. So that's... A note, a note, a mallard hen ends with a sharp cut. If it's ah, which is not a sharp cut, then that's a teal. Mm -hmm. Right? So, right. Ack, ack, ack. Right. so you cut the note off well. You're putting air pressure on it because you're making it raspy. Mm -hmm. You're not grunting. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's I've worked the, really hard to cut the grunt out. Yep. That was my biggest step was cut the grunt out. And that I worked really hard to do that. So that is the number one thing I help people with mm -hmm. in calling class is to stop grunting. Right. And I'm going to give you the explanation of why it's bad right now. So everybody that grunts, they're trying to make the call deeper or raspier. Mm -hmm. But it actually has the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. So in order for a call to sound full, you have to put a, a full throat. You, you want as much air pressure hitting the reed as you can make because mm -hmm. the pressure makes the reed vibrate correctly. 
So when you grunt, you can feel it in your neck if you grab it while you grunt. Mm -hmm. Your esophagus constricts, so you take the air pressure, and now you make the air go really fast, which high tones the call. So you're actually doing the opposite. So the more you grunt, the higher tone the call goes. The less you grunt and the more pressure you put on it, the deeper the call runs. Mm -hmm. So grunting actually does the opposite of a person's intended effect. Mm -hmm. So it also monotones your call. Once you grunt, you can only make one pitch out of that call, and you can't get different ducks out of it. You also cannot call with power while you grunt. And in order to learn to run a call properly, you have to learn the top end of the call or the power end. So you have mm -hmm. to learn to run a call hard, and then because you can't, you cannot cheat on running a call hard. Mm -hmm. So this is why when you listen to a Main Street duck calling contest, they do the big high hail, because that shows your throat is open, your tongue is in the correct position, and so are your hands, because you cannot cheat that top end. But if you don't know how to run a call very well, you can cheat the really soft stuff on the bottom. Mm -hmm. So you cannot, you cannot, like, it's the same thing. Uh, you could metaphor it to baseball. You could not know how to hit a baseball, but you could bunt. Right. Or you could not know how to, how to hit a driver, but you could putt really well. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So once, once you know how to hit a driver, you can hit the rest so of the So if someone clubs. is grunting, and what is the easiest way to teach someone to stop? If you grunt and you're trying not to grunt, it is going to absolutely frustrate you to death. It is the hardest thing to get out of somebody calling. And what you'll notice is if you give them a duck call and you tell them to blow clean air through the back of the call, mm -hmm. they can do that. Right. But as soon as they flip the call over, they'll go back to grunting. Right. I had that exact same problem. That is, and the only way I've ever found to get that out is you blow a note clean, and then you turn it around. And you try to blow that clean note, and as soon as you grunt, you turn it around and go back right. to clean. Yeah. Into, yeah. And then it'll just work its way out, mm -hmm. but you're going to be high-toned. And then you're going to go, well, that's way too high. So, But then after you get where you can just run a clean note that's mm -hmm. too high-pitched, that's when you can figure out your pressure. Right. What yeah. duck call do you, do you have there? That is the LT hand cut that I hunt with. Okay. So... I don't know if you can and see And I've it. got the con artist. Yep. So I make, which I, bought last I make year. two different platforms of barrels. So there's a larger barrel. So that is a con, a center, and a QT. Mm -hmm. And then I have a smaller platform, which is an LT hand cut, a mammoth hand cut, and a fuse. Mm -hmm. So the smaller is faster. The bigger one is a little slower, but it's more forgiving. Right. So once you shrink the barrel down, now there's not much, mm -hmm. but depending on which one fits you, that can be a world of difference. Right. So the the sound just happens inside of this way sooner than this. Right. So I run the smaller platform calls just because they fit me. So when I run a larger barrel platform, there's a lag in it, and mm -hmm. it drives me nuts. Mm. But a lot of people like the lag. Right. What yeah. do you mean by lag? When I, when I go to make a note, it doesn't do it immediately for me. Oh. There's a lag in the sound coming out. Because it's got a little farther distance to yep. travel. It just it's doesn't load up as fast. Microsecond. <laughs> it, it's not much, but you can feel right. it. Yeah, so for the most part, most people will run the larger barrel better. Mm -hmm. If you're a new caller trying to figure out calling, you want the larger one. Okay. For the most part. Now, this also just plays into how you're built. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will just be built in a way that the smaller one fits better. And some people will be built in a can way. Can you that, identify that by their qualities or you have to hear them call? I can, yeah, I can just tell by the way they make a note. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You can be a really good caller and still like the larger call. Right. So it's just a lot of it depends on how you're built. And like I said, some guys just like a little lag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, on a short read, some guys like the call to make a note 
instantly, mm-hmm. and you can adjust on a short read with the size of the call, but you can also adjust with the guts. Mm-hmm. So if there's a little more airspace from the read to the end of the tone channel, it'll have a little lag. Some guys will like their calls tuned that way. So it's a lot of it's just preference. Okay. So these make me feel a little tongue twisted when I run them. All right. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move to actually calling here, and then maybe you can tell me what you think. And mm-hmm. what, what would you like to see me do? So... Like I said, your mechanics are good. Mm-hmm. I would like you to learn to call with a little more power. Mm-hmm. So louder, harder. Um, and I would like you to bring your ducks down more when you get to the end. Okay. So you're making good ducks, but then you kind of stop your hens. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily bad when you're hunting. It would just sound more real if you would come down a few more times. Okay. So, so let me blow something and you can kind of help me understand what to do that you're talking about. So, so by, by doing those things, mm-hmm. um, you would just, it would make you more real sounding. Right. Yeah. And it would change a little bit of your habit on your cadences. Okay. Not that there was anything wrong with what you were doing. Right. Yeah. Right. It would just add a little more realism to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. What do you want me to blow here to listen to? So just blow, blow you, uh, your five duck or your six. Don't okay. have to, you don't have to count. Okay, so I would encourage you to practice cutting the note off harder on each note. So so when you start, don't ramp up the amount of the air. So just show me. So you're kind of bleeding notes together a little. Uh So you're right, and I want like distinct cuts. Yep. Now take that down about four more times, but you're going to do a shorter note each time. Take it down. You mean volume wise? No. So, uh, so you are doing a cadence of what I would call middle hens. So okay. you're <laughs> right. And I want you to go, <laughs> well, saying, there you go. The pressure and the air stays up all the way down. Okay. So you're going to come down more. Okay. Each time. So the pressure descend the pressure. More. No, no, no. As you come down, your note just gets shorter. Okay. Yeah. That's better. So that's you're putting more ducks in the bottom. Okay. Which will be more real sounding. Do it for me again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So when you practice, you just want to practice coming down all the way. Okay. On the cadence. Okay. Let yeah. Me try. Yep. But keep your pressure up when you get down to the bottom. Okay. So now, if so you I'm want letting to, off pressure, I'm letting off too much pressure as I bring it down. Yeah, okay. super common. Okay. Yeah, the pressure will step. So you're going to run the same hen from the the longest note to the shortest note. The same amount of pressure from. Yeah. The so when so I'm, I'm just cutting down the length of each. Just note, the length. That's it. That's it. So like so when I hear you so on versus, the video, versus, well, when I, I hear you on the video, you're coming down some, but you're basically making the same note every time. Okay. Right. Right. So I want you, I'm going to over-accentuate what I want you to do. Okay. So I want you to have a long note at the top mm-hmm. and a short note at the bottom. Okay. But the volume and the air pressure are the same. Okay. So. So um, we had a little technical difficulty, and while we did that, you grabbed my call. What did you do to the call? So, so you had a narrower read in it, but you have more air than that read okay. will handle. Mm-hmm. So. You needed a little stiffer tuned call. Mm-hmm. So that is something you always got to look at. So a call, like the easiest way to call better 
is to make sure the call's tuned properly. Right. No matter your technique. Um, if it's too stiff, you can't run it. If it's too light, it's hard mm -hmm. to run. But you, you don't want to normally have to back down. You normally want to have to push it a little because that promotes putting pressure on it. Right. If it's light, then that uh, promotes the opposite of backing off pressure, which is not what you want while you're calling. Mm -hmm. uh, and typically while you're hunting, you're going to be a little more excited. Right. So like the call that I hunt with mm -hmm. would be tuned a little stiffer than the call I would just blow around here. Right. Yeah, or take to a show because I'm not working as hard and I was excited. Right. Yeah, so like generally, like as I hunt, I will, because I just tune calls all summer. I don't mm -hmm. blow a lot or I teach somebody how to blow for a long period of time. So I'll start with a lighter tune call and then as I hunt, I have to lengthen the reeds because mm -hmm. I will build more air. So the more you practice, the more air you build. So whenever you do, whenever you do a big long note on a call, mm -hmm. and just hold that air, mm -hmm. that's like running for duck calling. That builds your muscles up and your air pressure up. So the hmm. more you call, the more call. So in your you car, would that be something smart to do? Just blow long, hard calls like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it's very good practice. Right. Because it teaches you how to hold pressure and hold tone. Yeah. So like when you're practice, that's why I said we want to learn the top end of the duck call, the power. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able just to pick a call up and make your loudest hand long. Right. What you don't want is to go where you're not holding pressure. You right. just want to hold a large, long, loud right. hen. Yeah. Yep. Am I a little tight there? I felt... You're a little bit tight. Okay. So, yeah. Yep, you're getting there. Okay. So, the more you would do that, the call will just get fuller or deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, when I run a call... Like that's as deep as I can get this call. That's its that's its deepest, biggest mm -hmm. hand. Yeah. So after we learn the top end, everything we do, because where our throat's open and our mouth cavity's all the way open and our lips are all the way open, we can start shrinking that to make different hands. So if, the more we constrict, the higher tone it goes. Okay. So then we can make a deeper hand, a mid hand, a high pitched hand, start mm -hmm. making different hands. Right. Yeah. So. One thing that's cool about Bobby's calls is that when you order one, you get this tin full of different reeds. Can you explain them briefly yeah, for us? Yeah, so, so when you buy a call, um, there's the reed in the call, mm -hmm. and then there is three or four more reeds in the sample tin. Mm -hmm. So it has one reed in each style in the shortest length. Right. Um, they're engraved with the size and the style, so you can either run them up or down, which is different than what most guys do. So they actually come with the curve down, which is how most of you guys wouldn't run a reed. But if the engraving is down, then the call has more wind to it, more mm -hmm. hold. If it's right. up, it's raspier. Yeah. So up would also take a little more air, down would take a little less air. Yeah. But so like uh, the main reed that I that we run is a core reed. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called a core. So inside of a core reed kit, there is eight different lengths of reeds. So each number, so there's one through eight. So each number is about five to ten thousand longer than the previous number. There's a little notch on the back of the reed that fits in the tone channel, keeps everything square. Mm -hmm. It also keeps the reed from pulling up when you put the wedge in. But so to tune one, you just trade the reeds out. There's no cutting a reed. Right. Yeah, so these are cut on a laser. So it actually, when it cuts, it melts a little bit, so it seems the mylar together. Mm -hmm. But it also stiffens it depending on how I engrave it and cut it. But yeah, so a one is the shortest in this series, and an eight is the longest. So ideally, what you want to do is you want to take a series of reeds 
and whatever dog ear you like on there. So a core read has a certain dog ear and then an HD uh, heavy dog ear is more. So that changes the sound. Mm -hmm. And then the bullet reads are round. So they have more hold and line. But so what you want to do is you want to take the series of reads and you want to find the read that is just a little too long for you and then back off one. So the advantage to that is the longer the read, the less prone the call is to sticking. Okay. So if you look on your call, there's there's four grooves in that tone board. And right. they run all the way from the notch, all the way down the tongue and off the board. Mm -hmm. right. So what those do is they allow air to get underneath that reed and pick up so that it doesn't stick. Oh. But the longer the reed we run, the more leverage it creates to get it to go. Okay. Yeah, so that's why if you've got, if you've got somebody that has a call that doesn't have the grooves in the boards mm -hmm. and the call sticks a lot, well, it may stick for one guy, but if another guy gets it and he's got more air and he tunes that call longer, it may not stick as much for him because mm. it's making some leverage to pop off there. Right. And then technically, the longer reads you can run, the more ducks that are in the call because that read is oscillating, making a frequency, and the longer it is, the deeper the frequency can get. So the shorter it gets, it can only make to this frequency, and then as we add length, so you get more ducks. Right. Yeah, so you want to work on running as long a read as you can handle. Okay. And you'll know, so like if you go from a, a 1 to a 3 to a 5, you'll hit a point where it's uncomfortable to run. Yeah, like the, the biggest I can run in a core read is about a 4. Mm. That's what I'm hunting. I can't. Right. If I try to do a 5, it's just too hard to push. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just like one down from that is your tune. Okay. Guys, this has not been a duck hunting calling tutorial tip. This is just my cheating way to get help from a professional <laughs> and better my duck calling. So wrap it up. Um, for me to make, go to the next level with my duck calling, let me see if I got this. I need to um, short, and in my cadence, I need to keep the pressure consistent throughout. Mm -hmm. I need to, to shorten the quacks as I run my cadence a little bit, so I'm descending. I would, I would rather you state it. we want to make a longer note on the front of the cadence and a shorter note on the bottom. Right. But I want you to go down more on your ducks. Right. Yeah. Explain down more on your ducks one more time. So whenever you're thinking of a cadence of a cadence is the rhythm at which we make the notes. Right. Right. So a typical mallard duck is going to have a longer first note than a short than a shorter last note. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how many notes she made. Because right. a wild duck can make two, it can make six, it can do whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. But typically the, it's going to have a longer first note and a shorter bottom note. Mm -hmm. So to make a call sound more ducky you need to make sure to come all the way down right. when you're making a run of hens okay. instead of just stopping in the middle of the cadence. Right. Yeah. And making sure my throat is yep, not sure tight, throat. which I could feel. I felt it when yep. we did it. That I said it's a little tight. Yep. So, and if you really want to get into calling and better your game, Bobby has a YouTube channel. It's Ducklander Calls. Yeah. It used to be just DLC, but now you changed it. I think it's Ducklander Calls. Yeah. I know they can get through it on DLC 300. The DLC yeah. 300, Ducklander Calls on YouTube. He has tons of tutorial uh, videos about calling, so go and check that out. Uh, can you feed? Um, this will help everything. Right. That's why I asked. Okay. Yeah. So I've kind of gone back and forth from the feeding. Mm -hmm. So for a while, it was I was trying to kind of just... Yeah. I, then I kind of switched it to more of a... That's great. So you got both feeds going. Okay. That's a single cut and a That second feed. one I was kind of trying to model after what I was hearing you do, where I, you were throwing quacks into it. Yeah. So the first one you did when you're, right? So all you got to do on that 
uh, a feed is blown hard. Mm -hmm. All you're going to do is drag a note, which means you drop your jaw. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now we That's just... totally different. Yep. So now we want to do two. Yep. Yep. So to start building a feed up, uh -huh. we're just going to do those those uh, chatter. Right. Then we're going to hit some hens, and we're going to go back to chatter. Okay. That's all that is. Yep. Did I do the, the multiple quack right? Something yeah. Felt a no, you thing. did good. Okay. Yeah. This is going to make you feel tongue twisted for a while. Right. Yeah. Right. So you just... Yep, that's okay. good. Sweet. Yeah, that's really good. So Great. you just practice making that sound, right? And your feed will develop. Uh -huh. No one's is the same, right? Yeah, it'll be completely different. So when should that be used? Okay, so this is my general rule with this. I don't use a feed unless it's a feed situation. Okay. So they almost never feed on a farm pond, mm -hmm. right? Because they they might peck the edges, but they're not going to be in there. So anytime a duck feeds. It's an excited part of the day. Right. Like, I, I'm sure you've seen them on the refuge splashing and going yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's chaotic. Uh -huh. And they're yelling at each other to get away from each other. Right. That's not a come here. Okay. Right? They're animals. They're fighting over territory. Mm -hmm. Right? You hear the same thing in the air, but it sounds like... Right. They usually won't land when they're doing that. Uh -huh. They're spinning your spread at about 60, 70 yards, and you'll hear... They're mm -hmm. telling each other... To get yeah. away from each other, right? Do you think they actually hear the echoing in space based on, like, the, the reverberation of the sound? Or is that just, like, you hear it and... I'm wondering if, like, they have the ability to sense the echo. And oh, I think they can tell. Yeah, I think they can. I think that's what Not just telling you not to, but actually No, they know that. how far away each other. Right. Yeah, okay. I think they can tell how far away. Because that's when the sound goes away. Like, right. once one gets... It's space. Yeah. Then it's stopping the sound. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but they'll usually do it when it's dark. Uh -huh. Or it's not very... Yeah, and they're figuring out the day. I usually, I think when they're doing that, they're trying to get your spread up. Huh. Yeah, because huh. uh, I've never finished a duck making that sound. That. But so usually when they're actually feeding, it's really chaotic mm -hmm. and it's and it's right. So a pond, you only do they don't do that on mm -hmm. right. So generally, if they're on a pond and they're just going around, they cluck. Yeah, they just do that sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I will blow a feed. If it's an actual feed situation, mm -hmm. will uh, you do the cluck? I will cluck at them all the time, though. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll cluck at them all the time. And that's do that one again. So you're gonna just do a single cut, mm -hmm. but you're gonna muffle it. Okay. So a lot shorter. So do your single cut. You're doing it. It's just shorter. Yeah. I, was need, I wasn't yeah. handling the tongue properly. Yep. But yeah, so that's just... And usually... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I need to watch rewatch this video. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so now I will use a feed on a lake or a marsh mm -hmm. as a hail call. Okay. Like if I want attention uh -huh. and they're... So typically like when a duck's far out and I want to holler at it, like I do three or four notes. Mm -hmm. I don't do like a big string of notes. I just do like three or four loud hens and then repeat. Right. But 
if, uh, especially if I'm someplace where there's a lot of hunters, yeah. I may just blow a really loud feed at them uh-huh. just to get their attention. Yeah. But then I'm going to stop doing that sound. And then if nothing is working that day, I'll try to finish them with a feed. If there's tons of smart weed, millet, yeah. then you're just assuming, hey, there's a ton of food here. Yeah, there, that's an eating situation. So you situation. can assume that, yep. but like the lily pad hole or something. Yep. Of course, I think they may be getting snails and insects. Probably in eating insects in there. Yeah. So like my go-to on finishing would be quacks. Like I finish, I would say 90% of the time. Single quacks? Yeah, if I'm blowing, if 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 they want to hear sound all the way to a gun, about a second in between it so so now something for you to practice that'll exponentially help you is Uh to learn how to blow the call as soft as you can Uh and make it sound full okay so um, you're going to have to fuck with this for a while okay are we recording it's okay I want want all this okay you're going to have to mess with this for a while yeah but you need to practice being loud and getting as deep as you can get without grunting, uh-huh. right? But so to sound ducky, we're going to try to blow it as soft as we can and keep it full. Okay. So anytime full you want to... in the pressure. Yeah. The, just full, the, the, mean... the rasp. So if I would blow a call really soft, but yeah. let it go flat, <laughs> right, it's flat. <laughs> yeah. But if I just change the pressure a little bit... <laughs> That'll go a lot softer. Getting that. So anytime we want to learn a sound. So I restricted the the Yeah, amounts. you can you can pinch your throat too. You can tighten it up for mm-hmm. this. Or your tongue. You should be my guess is you're cutting your notes off with the middle of your tongue. Yes. And as you blow a call more, you'll start to use the back of your tongue. Okay. So this is like, you know, if you get a popcorn kernel stuck at the very back and you gotta get off uh-huh. that's the part of your tongue you cut a note with. Okay. I don't actually cut a duck call. Yes, I'm off. cutting it with it. Yep, you're gonna move backwards the more you do this. That's how you get deeper. So, <laughs> so when I do big hens, I was trying not to blow your damn ear in the video. So when I do a big hen and I just and I'm hitting those hens, yeah. I'm actually not using my tongue. That is just blowing hot air right. into that call, no right? Yeah, but you're you're gonna work to your so this is your tongue, this is where it's going down your throat. Uh-huh. So your your esophagus is right here. You're gonna get as far back as you can to cut that note off with. And that just comes from using the muscle mm-hmm. and trying to get deeper. It'll just naturally work its way back there. Okay. Right? So you'll just be a little higher tone using the middle. Okay. But like I said, if you just practice being loud and sounding full, yeah. You'll use this part of your tongue. And it'll start doing it. Okay. People that grunt use up here. Mm-hmm. That's why that uh, when they pick up a call and don't grunt, it just goes way high pitched. Right. Right. So when we're trying to blow a call soft on the bottom, we can use the back of our tongue, the middle of our tongue, or we can curl that tongue in the front. Mm-hmm. So everybody's built a little different. So you just kind of got to figure out where it keeps the tone full. Right. Right. But so anytime you're trying to learn a note, you want to find the tone. Mm-hmm. And then figure out how to get to the tone. So if I blow soft but keep the call full, so it doesn't sound like a duck, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just making, I'm just making the tone. Yeah. But then when I make hens, yeah. So you just just find your find your tone on the bottom. 
That's it. That's the feeling. Uh-huh. So now you figure out how to quack like that. Yeah. That's, it. That's it's a little it. farther back on my tongue. Yep. You're blowing a little harder when you go to blow your hands. But yeah, you'll just mess with this. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you just find where the low end. You just feel it on your tongue, whether it's, you can feel the vibrations on Mm -hmm. your tongue. Yeah. This is the stuff I cannot hear with the protection. That's what? This is the stuff I can't do. Right. Yeah, because I can't tell if I'm making noise or not when I'm... Uh. Yeah. That's way better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The pressure was staying consistent yep. on that one. Yeah. But that's also how you can start to squeal the call. So when we want to squeal one, we want to figure that out. Right. We find the squeal. So feel where, so you feel where your your tongue and your, mm-hmm. so that's the end of the note. Right. That's it. Yep. Yeah. I'm getting a little tight. That's okay. You're gonna get I'm tighter. To feel it. You're gonna get tighter as you squeeze okay. that air down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when it goes to when it goes to squeal, you really push. Pinch it. Yep. Right. Okay. And that starts to make it sound more like a duck. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to have to do this in my car. Yep. No, you just have to. Yeah. So anytime you're trying to get the feeling back. I can feel it now. Yep. I can feel exactly on my tongue where it is. Yep. And that feeling may migrate back. It'll just work its way as you do this. Yeah. Some of this is just. It already is a little bit. It already has. That was farther back. Some of this is just your muscles not used to doing that. Right. And you got to do it enough times that the muscle gets used to. Yeah. Doing the motion and gets strong enough to move again. Right. Yeah. So if I'm right now, if like on the way home in my car practicing, what is the is that just the best thing to practice? I would start with just blowing regular hands in the car and just coming Working down on that pressure, just coming down and making sure the note is cut off hard. Every time. Yeah, just want to. Now my tongue was kind of constricting as I. That's come okay. Down. You're just okay. getting a little squeal. In okay. It. But anytime you practice, you kind of want to overaccentuate what you're trying to do. Yeah, I think that'll be pretty easy to. Yep, to, you'll to get pick that up pretty fast because I can feel that pressure. Yep. Staying then. Yep, and then you can practice anytime you want to. Okay. So you just do a couple, do three, and then feed, and then hen, and then. Back. All you're doing is learning transitions. Right. Yeah, that's it. So then after you can do a little more on the hens, right. you'll start to learn cadences mm-hmm. or putting cadences together. Right. And it doesn't matter how you do these. So you can have a slow hen. So you can make different ducks different ways. Uh-huh. You can do them with cadence. You can do them with tone. Right. Or you can put those together after you get better at it, right? Uh-huh. So I can do a slow hen to start with and then a fast hen. Mm-hmm. Or you can do fast and then go to slow. Right. Every time I'm doing that, yeah, same pressure, just, but yep, yeah. 
Well, the pressure is the same through that hen. Right. So when you change a hen, you may change pressure. Right. Yeah, some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you'll be tongue twisted right. when you're trying to do the two different hints to start with. Uh-huh. So you don't have to do the notes long. You can. That's <laughs> yeah. so just learning a transition. Okay. Yeah. So you try to learn it short and then build notes to it. Okay. Yeah. Once you get to where you can go from flow to fast. Right. If you can do two and two. Then you can try to do too slow, three too and yeah, three and three or five. Yeah. That's the pressure is totally different. I think mm-hmm. I'm really getting that. That's usually what has to click. Right. Yeah. I can totally feel. I'm, I was just just letting all the pressure mm-hmm. fade out. Is what I was. Yep. Yeah. Another way to think about it, and this you've got it, so it doesn't really matter. But another way to think about it, when I try to get guys to feel that they can't feel it, uh-huh. if you put your tongue to the roof of your mouth mm-hmm. and then try to blow, you'll feel yourself holding the pressure. Mm-hmm. So if you drop your tongue, you'll let some out. Right. Yeah. You mean just totally blocking up the... Yep. <laughs> yep. That's good. Yeah. It's getting that... I've got the feeling right on the tongue mm-hmm. where it needs to be now. Now yep. I can feel the difference. Fine. Yep. Oh, well, that's yeah, really it'll nice. It, it'll... I have felt just so like, I have no idea. Dude, this is just really hard to do without being around somebody. Right. It's just yeah. really hard. Yeah. Some guys can pick it up from hearing it. Yeah. But it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that's... I have the feeling and I've got the pressure, I think that'll really make it. That's all Mike and I did for like two weeks when I go up there. Well, oh. call hard. Right. Yeah. Now he didn't, he wouldn't tell you what to do with your tongue or right. he would just, you would blow it hard until the tone came out and you would figure right. it out from just doing it awesome yeah i hope that you guys really enjoyed that i know that it was a vulnerable situation for me to do that put my calling on youtube put it in front of bobby but i was at a standstill i hit him i had gotten rid of my grunt i'd kind of gotten my mechanics right i just couldn't figure out what i was doing wrong that i needed to improve on and bobby just nailed it i wasn't keeping constant pressure through the cadence I wasn't going what he called down on down on the ducks where it was a short, shorter notes on through and my throat was a little bit too tight. I've been working on it since and hopefully you will hear a difference in my calling on the videos this year. So again, go over there to ducklandercalls.com discount code NAW23 for 10% off and support what Bobby's doing because he is a great asset for the waterfowling community. If you've watched my podcast with Bobby, you know that's true. So that's all I have today. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, you have listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast.